welcome. This is an awesome podcast. This yeah. is one of my favorite ones. <laughs> to the Jeff. It's a lot of whiskey, Jeff. Macalino. Jeff Macalino. 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 Podcast. Hey, welcome to the show. Uh, I have another great episode for you. Of course I do. Uh, I think I teased. I've got some acting news for you. I did book a uh, another role in a feature film. Uh, you know, I, I, I the only reason I hesitate to to advertise this is I don't want a hundred people ask me when it's coming out. We haven't even shot it yet. <laughs> but it will be done by the end of the month. It's a nice, quick shooting schedule. I have a pretty substantial role in the film. Uh, it is called Haunted Happy Hour. Uh, so excited to uh, meet the cast and crew and uh, get rocking and rolling on that. Of course, I'll keep you updated on where you can find it and all that stuff when it is, uh, when it is going to be released. Again, you know, movies take some time. Speaking of, Women Want Everything should be coming soon. I don't have a date. Should be coming soon to Amazon Prime and other places uh, that you stream video uh, movies. Videos. Nobody even knows what videos are. Uh, on demand. And I, I think DVD as well. Uh, also, make sure you go and click the link. It's right there in the show notes to vote for my podcast. The Jeff Macalino podcast is the best in the Bay. I would greatly appreciate it. It literally, I don't think it should take even a minute. It's very easy. Even a Jeff Macalino can do it. Uh, in fact, my father's name is also Jeff Macalino. So two of them have done it. Uh, so Please, I appreciate it. I love you if you do it. Uh, all right. So, all exciting stuff. And this episode's great, too. I've got a, uh author, Cam Majd, on with me. He's an Edgar Award-nominated author, uh, thrillers, suspense novels. Uh, he was also a pilot for 44 years, uh, 35 of which were at uh, American Airlines. Uh, he was born in Iran educated in India, Great Britain, and the United States, went to the University of Texas. He lives in Los Angeles now with his family. So he's a well-traveled man, uh, obviously being a pilot, I guess you're generally expected to be well-traveled. Well, I guess not all pilots fly international or or whatnot, but anyways, uh, fun conversation with Cam, talking to him about things that I'm not all that familiar with, so was a fun conversation. Uh, I do ask him if the earth is flat because I don't know if you want to flash back to almost two years ago when I talked to uh, Flat Earth Dave and uh, he insisted that pilots routes were certain ways because the earth is flat. So I asked him about it. I won't spoil the answer, but I bet you can guess what it is. <laughs> Um, all right, let's dive on into it. Let me pay a couple bills first and let's rock and roll. Hey folks, you know, I talk about mental health on this podcast a lot, uh, with my own struggles. Uh, a lot of times I'll talk to guests about their struggles. And, uh, that being said, I, uh, want to thank BetterHelp for sponsoring this episode BetterHelp is the world's largest therapy service, and it's 100% online. With BetterHelp, you can tap into a network of over 25,000 licensed and experienced therapists who can help you with a wide range of issues. To get started, you just answer a few questions about your needs and preferences in therapy. That way, BetterHelp can match you with the right therapist from their network. Then you can talk to your therapist however you feel comfortable, whether that's via text, chat, phone, or video call. You can message your therapist at any time and schedule live sessions when it's convenient for you. If your therapist isn't the right fit for any reason, you can switch to a new therapist at no additional charge. With BetterHelp, you get the same professional professionalism and quality you expect from in-office therapy, but with a therapist who is custom-picked for you. More scheduling flexibility and at a more affordable price. As a bonus, you get 10% off your first month at BetterHelp.com slash Macalino. 
That's betterhelp.com slash M-A-C-O-L-I-N-O. All right, everybody. I am very pleased to welcome to the podcast Cam Majd. How are you, Cam? I'm doing great. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You, uh, you're on the West Coast, correct? Uh, I am, yeah. Los Angeles. Los, oh, okay. You're you're right in the thick of things. <laughs> uh, I'm I'm on the other side, St. Petersburg. So, so th- this is oh. my this is my first drink, but it's three hours later here. Just to be clear. <laughs> okay, let's go with that. <laughs> I mean, it's still pretty bad looking at the clock, but <laughs> in fairness to me, I've been up since four in the morning because I had to do a, a, a play a bartender in a TV show uh, that was from 6 to 11 this morning so this is kind of like you know late day for me oh wow (laughs) i don't even want to ask what time you go to bed i it 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 depends it might be like 10 minutes after we finish this podcast i don't (laughs) i i I don't know i don't know it's uh if you finish that drink i think it will be (laughs) oh i'll finish it i promise (laughs) um Natural, naturally, that that is a great segue in, in my eyes because you uh, were, uh, well, I should ask you, are you still uh, an airline pilot or have you retired from that? I retired a year ago. Oh, okay. So I was with American Airlines for 35 years and uh, a year ago at uh, 65, we retired to mandatory retirement age. Oh, gotcha. Gotcha. Um, and you, you were a pilot for 44 years in total? Yeah, total 44 years. So it took, uh, you know, eight or so, eight or nine years to get enough, uh, you know, licenses and experience to where the airlines would interview you and then uh, started with them in 87. Wow. Yeah. So so the reason I said uh, segues nicely is in my head, and I don't know if, if this is true at all. I'm thinking, well, pilots have to have weird hours of, I mean, if you're flying, I, I don't know if you flew internationally or or what your routes were, but I would think pilots have to kind of have a weird schedule at times too, but maybe I'm completely wrong with that. No, no, you're not. Actually, uh, you have a weird schedule of days. Uh, there is no day off. There is no day on. Uh, there is no Christmas is this or Thanksgiving is that, you know. And then uh, for the 24-hour period, also, there is no limits. You could be flying at night. You could be flying, you know, during the day. Certainly time zone changes. And if you fly international, and I did that for 20-plus years, uh, you go through time zones. You know, triple seven, which is what I, uh, you know, retired on this captain. Um, you know, every time you strap that thing to your butt, you're going to a minimum of eight time zones. Um, wow. You know, with American Airlines. So, um, you know, and 12 uh, time zones are not unheard of, you know, and then you go the other direction, you know, and go 16 time zones. So whether it's day or night, whether you're, you know, you, you don't really know half the time. Am I tired or am I hungry? Uh, I can't <laughs> tell the difference, um, you know, uh, but but there are systems in place and there are rest breaks that you can get and, you know, a bunk beds that you can crawl into. Uh, they all make it a little bit, uh, you know, less painful, but it's still painful. No question about it. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm. I was going to say I'm glad to hear that, but that's that comes out wrong. But I'm glad. I in, in my head, I was, I was talking about this yesterday with, with last night with my mom and saying, well, I got to figure out a way to fall asleep in the next few hours because if I'm not asleep, in, if I'm not in bed by before midnight, I'm going to have a hard time waking up at four. Uh, right. And but on the flip side. On Wednesday night, I'm doing a movie, and I don't even show up until nine fifteen p.m. And that's gonna that's gonna take hours. So it's like, so I need to somehow transition so that. Ne- <laughs> so, so you maybe you keep you keep piling hours. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's a fun challenge to be like, all right, how do I shape my day so that I'm awake at the right time with the right amount of energy. <laughs> Uh, you know, there are courses you can take, and I'm sure there's uh, plenty of stuff on YouTube you can watch. Uh, in addition to that, there are, you know, some aids you can take. I mean, you know, not Tylenol PM necessarily. That'll make you groggy, but certain things, melatonin, et cetera, as long as you know how to use it and use it carefully. Yeah. Um, at the airlines, they have actual sleep courses that we have to take uh, because oh, wow. it does become an issue. You know, you you fly... 
uh, I did the London leg for you know, a long time. You leave here around 6 p.m. in the West Coast, and you get there around 6 a.m. body time. And, um, you know, by the time most people are waking up to a cup of coffee and a bar of cereal, you know, I got a beer and a shish kebab in my head. <laughs> um, so it's, you know, there are things that you can do to mitigate this, you know. And, um, you know, some of them are habits. A lot of it has to do with, you know, how much thinking you're doing, you know, just breathing techniques, um, just things that can calm you down to where you can, you know, once it becomes an art, once it's, it's something that you have to do, it's, you might be surprised at uh, what you're capable of doing. Yeah. I, 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 uh, I'm pretty, I'm, I'm pretty talented or gifted as far as not needing a lot of sleep. So, so may, maybe my, maybe I should have been a pilot. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I that would go well. I'm not sure about the drinking portion of that, but yeah, know, no, I'd be, I'd work. You know, I never saw the movie. I don't know if you have that Denzel Washington played a pilot, but I, but I I've did. heard, I, I've heard that I'm very similar to that character. So, <laughs> so I don't. That's why they made a movie about him because he sure shouldn't have been a pilot. <laughs> it was a good movie, actually. Was it? Was, uh, yeah, you know, a lot of it, of course, they take freedoms, but you know the facts um you know but but there was some some reality to it does it uh i mean there are a lot of movies based on 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 things happening in flights uh i mean it, it kind of becomes a uh i mean i i'm just thinking of all they're just rushing through my head now like oh yeah that's in a plane too uh snakes on a plane which i never saw that one uh yeah but, that one uh that one i, I did I, anything that has to do with an airplane uh, i have seen fortunately or unfortunately <laughs> i have seen that was one of the unfortunate ones um yeah, i'd imagine <laughs> really good movies and uh, uh you know that was just a little bit on the silly side it would have been nice if they talked to actually a pilot so that you know uh i remember one part of it one scene they took off from hawaii honolulu and uh you know started immediately talking to you know los angeles tower which you don't speak to until the last, you know, three minutes of your flight. Uh, so I'm, yeah, it would have been nice if they talked to a couple of guys who had actually done this before, so they get some of the facts together. Not to mention that, you know, I mean, there was a snake eating a guy. You know, <laughs> uh, was a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Are you are you telling me that people don't get murdered in airplane bathrooms regularly? Because I'm pretty sure that happens in every movie involving an airplane. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, if Tom Cruise is in it, yes. <laughs> uh, I, I, think I, I think that's the key don't fly with tom cruise in an airplane yeah i i better be careful he doesn't i mean he has a home in clearwater that's not far from it <laughs> yeah he uh better check the flight I know before much you. <laughs> about him uh, but i started to learn a little bit you know that he does his own stunts and some of these stunts i looked into that's you know my hat's off to the guy yeah, and I, I guess the the newest Top Gun, uh, he he was actually flying his plane. I guess he owns an F sixteen or whatever the heck it is, uh, and he was actually flying the plane. In a lot of the scenes of him flying, was actually real, allegedly. Um, but I guess he's yeah, a I'm not pilot sure, uh, also. <laughs> yeah, what again? I'm I'm just it's hearsay. I'm, I'm I'm you know repeating things that I've read here and there. Uh, but I've read that the Navy won't actually let any of the actors touch the controls mm. uh, of their planes. Now, I don't know what he has on the side or what, what he's able to do, but, uh, it, you know, all of that stuff is, you know, the, the real airplanes, they, they can't even touch it. It's something about, you know, I'm not sure, you know, maybe liability, insurance, whatever. Um, but, yeah, that, that was that was really good. I really enjoyed that movie. Yeah, yeah, that was, that was, a, that was a great one. That was... Uh... Yeah, that 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 was uh that was one that kind of all of America seemed to enjoy. Uh, going back to the theater, actually, it was kind of a, a weird. I, I mean, I guess it was still coming off the COVID aftermath. I feel like people still were not really going to the movie theaters anymore. Everything was just going to streaming, and I feel like that movie was like, oh, you got to go see that in the theater. It's totally, it's not going to be the same at your house. Uh, it, I mean, I, I guess depending on your setup, it might be. <laughs> Uh, I did watch no, it. They, they, it's yeah, still good. <laughs> it, it was great. Well, this, the movie was great because obviously um, 
uh, it wasn't just just excitement of the flying and, and pushing the limits, but it was also very much character driven, which, you know, you kind of enjoy following the character. I had not enjoyed the first ones following the character that much. Uh, this one was, this one hit home. You know, the way it continued on, the way it ran all the way to the end, you know, uh, you felt involved, you felt with the guy, mm -hmm. you know, and um, uh, I, I thought it was great. Yeah, yeah, agreed. It does, uh, does your enjoyment, I know you said you watch all of them, so I'm, I'm guessing not significantly, but does your enjoyment suffer at I I would I I would think being an experienced pilot I would be like that's so fake I hate this. <laughs> uh, so yeah, do, well, does I, it I'm, suffer? Uh, yeah, yeah, you know, on, on, if you watch snakes on a plane, it probably does. Um, <laughs> but uh, when you watch, you know, other stuff that's quality work, you know, I, I love movies. I guess most of us do. I, I loved going back to the to the theaters once the uh, uh, you know COVID. You know, uh, pandemic ended and, and movies started coming again and um you know uh, so I, I'll, I'll watch anything as long as i can have a bucket of popcorn and a coke slushy and you know <laughs> turn the lights off and uh you know and then it's it's a lot of fun um but yeah you're right i mean you know there's good movies and there's bad movies there's this movies you, you walk out and you feel like a million bucks and then there was movies that uh you know that you don't you walk out and go that was a <laughs> waste of two and a half hours of my time yeah uh, but being visual was a big part of why i did it uh, and and the book high wires in fact uh you know the, it's being shopped around now you know fingers crossed around hollywood um oh yeah it's, it's a very visual book you know and 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 seeing movies i think helped a lot in that being able to you know uh write and, and being able to you know really see what i'm writing it was, was something that i enjoyed a lot yeah, so when you um when you go to write High Wire, and this is not your first novel, uh, correct? Uh, correct. Yeah, there, there, yeah. There's, yeah, there's a few other ones, but this is the first one being re-released. Gotcha. And uh, uh so you're uh, well, t tell me a little bit about the book and uh, what uh, I guess motivated you what to to actually write this book to begin with. Well, um, aircraft has become have become so much more automated in the last generation, 20 to 30 years. We've gone from three pilots in a cockpit to two, you know, and, and they've become quite a bit safer. And all of this happens because we depend on computers, computers that back up other computers. And there are so many computers and they don't fail because if they fail, the next one is there, you know, uh, to, to pick up the load and the one after that. And they're essentially, for the most part, fail-safe. Uh, fail so the question that occurred to me on one of those flights was, you know, what happens, you know, if the computers are not going to fail, they back each other up, but what happens if the computer gets the wrong information? What happens if it's told that this is the correct information, whereas it is not? Mm. And unfortunately, similar things to that have happened, you know, as early as just a few years ago with, the, you know, 737 Maxes, you know, when they had the, uh, you know, they had two crashes, uh, where you know the, the controls were telling the, the the pilots that you're about to stall, so they push the nose down. The, the pilots are trying to pull it no back up, and uh, they, you can't fight the computer. And the computers actually caused you know two crashes. You know, um, several hundred people died mm. terribly. Um, so in my world, you know, long before these crashes occurred, you know, 20 years ago was what if the computers get the wrong information? What if they don't know that what they're getting is the wrong information and they force you to do that? And I picked the fly-by-wire system, which is the flight control system of the aircraft, which is essentially one of the most um, you know, automated systems in the aircraft. You know, uh, when airplanes uh, came around at the beginning, you know, it was just pulleys and cables. That's the way it is for little single-engine airplanes today. You know, pulleys and cables. You know, you, you turn something and, you know, you know, a cable actually makes an aileron or an elevator turn. But then as aircraft became, you know, more sophisticated and heavier, you know, and going into the airline age, then we needed hydraulics. You know, pulleys and cables were no longer enough. You needed very high pressure, uh, you know, fluids that are now going to force the controls, you know, to go up and down and do all the things that you needed to do. But, but hydraulics are expensive, you know, and they're hard to maintain. There's all this plumbing going on and the fluids and there could be leaks and all kinds of stuff. Fly-by-wire system is 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 a thing does away with all that. It's just little motors, you know, and and uh, you know electronic signals. Uh, 
A signal is sent from a computer to a motor. A motor turns exactly how much it should. They're light, they're easy to maintain, and uh, they're very dependable. Started off in the military, you know, and worked its way into commercial aviation. Almost our aircraft, all commercial aviation aircraft, right now fly by one, including the 777. Uh, but the thing about it is that what, what's unique about them is, is is that you still have a yoke. You still push it, pull it, turn it, just like you would in an airplane. But really, all you're doing is, is typing on a keyboard. Even the feel of the of the machine, you know, of the of the yoke that you have, they have to give it a certain feel so that you actually feel like a pilot feels like they're doing something. Mm. That feel is generated yeah. artificially. You know, to make you feel like you are doing something where you are, in fact, all you're doing is is typing on a keyboard. Yeah. And so yeah. in my world, in, in you know, uh, I, I said, what if these these air, uh, computers start to get the false type of information and they think it's the correct type? And that took me to a computer virus, you know. And so I had the story at this point. So the question was going to be, OK, who's going to tell the story? You know, um, who's going to be your protagonist? You know, the main person. And, um, you know, a long time ago in the cockpit, you know, 20 plus years ago, uh, you know, there was kind of a, uh, a little spoken of tradition where, you know, pilots, it was almost always men. There was never women out there. Even today, only 6% of pilots are female, 94% are still male. So to say it's a male dominated field, it doesn't do it justice. It's almost all exclusively yeah. male. So you can imagine 20, 30 years ago how it was. You know, and, and you had a little, uh, you know, not, not greatly spoken tradition. They would hide, you know, Playboy pictures, you know, in, in and out of different places, you know, and nooks and crannies in the cockpit. And the guys would sit down and take a look at it and show it to the other guy and pull it back. So on an all-night red eye going to L.A. to Kennedy, you know, flight, uh, the, uh, the uh, flight engineer back then, we had three of us, you know, shows up and it was a girl and she had just started, you know, in the cockpit and introduced ourselves, sat down, and the other guy just reached up and pulled one of these pictures and started sharing it. And immediately we all noticed, oh, shit, can't really do this, you know? And, uh, and she was cordial and she was courteous. She had done this before. She, you know, she didn't mind it at all. We put it away. But all night, uh, all the way to New York City, I started thinking, you know, how odd it must be to be a female, you know, how much more difficult the job of a pilot should, you know, would be to be a woman, not only have to do deal with all the things that are going on out here, but then all the responsibilities that you're, you know, that 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 is up to you that you have to, you know, deal with. And so by the time we landed in Kennedy, I said, okay, I have my story. Now I have a way of telling it. So the the, the, the pilot, the protagonist has to be a female pilot. And it is in this case. And uh, and so the story begins, you know, in the last couple minutes of a flight. You know, flight 394 going into Kennedy, and uh, it's in a blizzard condition. And uh, when the aircraft stops responding to the commands of this pilot, of this female captain, uh, she she does the unthinkable. She forcibly crashes the plane, and she does it close to the ground because she feels if they go up, then they have no chance. But as a result of this crash, four people, uh, six people die, and then, I mean, everything is, is pointed right at her, you know. She couldn't fly. She shouldn't have been there. She was hired, you know, to fill quotas or, you know, to make the, the airline look good. And so you had all of that added, you know, uh, pressure to the book. And that's, I think, one of the reasons that it did so well. It got nominated by the Edgars and, you know, and mm -hmm. everything that happened. But the downside to it was that the original book came out, uh, the galleys, the galleys is the raw version of the book that they sell off of to the bookstores. The galleys were scheduled to go to the bookstores for selling uh, the week nine of 9-11. Oh my so gosh. Yeah, so 9-11 occurred and three days after that, they were out there with this book trying to sell it to Barnes and Noble in New York, you know, and I think that's their headquarters, <laughs> you know, and, uh, and the cover of the, the original cover was, uh, you know, a big word on the top, you know, saying faster than the speed of terror, you know, with a 767 in a bank angle over New York City. Oh, so my God. Missed <laughs> was Muhammad Ada's name. And uh, the book was, <laughs> the cover was done a year, you know, before 9-11. And so 
that, but it still did very well. Still went to a second printing. Still was nominated by the Edgars. Still, you know, um, so it's it's a good book. But it was good story and, and, and again character driven. My task was to try and get the reader involved into the plight of this individual, uh, who's not only being wrongly blamed for what has happened, uh, not only having to defend, you know, herself, um, but she has to try and stop it from happening again. And when she does learn that, you know, she comes face to face with the with the madman who created the virus, you know, uh, and she learns that there is another aircraft that is halfway over the Atlantic, contaminated with the same virus with no chance of getting to land on either side, it's up to her to do the unthinkable, which is find a way to try and save them. But in that process, she probably has to die. Mm. And uh, I sort of, I, I probably said more than I should have here. I'm not sure if you asked <laughs> them. Kind of a premise of a book that uh, is very visual and, uh, you know, and, and the movies had a lot to do with that. Yeah. Well, that's, I like, I like to hear, uh, to hear that. Uh, because I think sometimes writers are a little uh, snobby about mo saying movies or that's not art. You know, the what I what I write is art, but movie. I'm like, eh, it's it. You know, I guess you you might be having this dilemma in your head. Sometimes movies based on books turn out terrible movies, sure, <laughs> but not all of them. Uh, they, they do and then sometimes they don't you know yeah um, and, and those are the ones that you try to follow uh, you know and, and, and movie is just uh, you know uh, it's, it's it's instantaneous the way you know how many people go to see it and and the effect it leaves uh, the emotional effect if it's done right I mean it's it's magical uh, you know because you are there I mean you know to get there into a book reading a book you know and then you know, you're not, and most people can't read a book in one sitting, you know, so you're going to have to interrupt it, move back and forth. And a movie, I mean, it captivates you for two hours. You are there, you feel it and you, you see it. And, uh, you know, I, I am not, you know, artsy about that. Any shape <laughs> Just... Now with, um, with it potentially being sold, uh, the movie rights to high wire, um, is that something you want to stay involved with along in the process, or is it just? I don't. I don't know how the process works, but is it something where you know they they just buy the rights and you just cross your fingers and hope that they do a good job interpreting it to the screen, or is that negotiable or what? How? Do... Well, a little, little, little bit of both. So it depends on, I guess, who you're going to be working with and then what happens. Um, you know, uh, movies are no different than books. Uh, at least to the extent that I'm aware of, you know, it, it could be the exact same way in a book. They could, you know, buy it and say, you know, um, you know, you, we, we've got it and, you know, you, you're going to, you know, we'll, we'll see you when, when, when it comes out and whatever happens. Or they could get you involved in different processes of the editing, of the marketing, you know, and so on. When uh, Fire first came out, like I said, just, just before 9-11, there was a lot of, you know, major uh, you know, individual artists, actors, directors that were very interested in it. And then, of course, 9-11 and then all of that died. We'll see what, where it goes this time. Um, you know, uh, again, what, what, what happens just will, it's going to depend on, on who gets it and to what extent they want you to be involved. I would hope that they want to hear your, your point because, you know, you have the experience and you want to keep it as real as possible. Um, you know, and, and that's something that they could benefit from because it's not just that you know, a pilot is going to be in there. So there's that, you know, you're not going to be talking to Los Angeles Tower when you take off from Honolulu, you know, or a snake is going to eat a guy <laughs> on a plane. But but at the same time, there are ways to make it really fun. You know, TJ Newman has, has got that one now, Falling, and another one with Drowning. I don't know if you're familiar with those. Uh, you know, uh, Universal Studios bought the rights and somebody else bought the rights to the other one. And they're both going to be major motion pictures and, and they're, they're great books, you know, and, and they're pretty real, you know, the way, you know, she has written it. They've done an excellent job. And uh, it's, just, it's just good to see that. It's just great work. It's always wonderful to see. Yeah, well, I, I prefer them uh, at this. I certainly prefer them uh, base a movie off of a book than just uh you know, make a 17th version of something we've already seen. <laughs> so, so, 
the, yeah. there's there's that but i, I hear you. yeah i i would i would um yeah it, it would be an interesting thing to, to write the book and then have to worry about you know it's just because you know be, being only on I, i've only been on a couple movie sets myself but it's like yeah that's a i i I would be so nervous, uh, even going to set the way, I don't know if you've ever been on one, the way they shoot movies is completely out of order, you know? So even following what's going on is like, oh boy, this is all going to really be, you know, none of the actors are going to be involved in the finished product of this. This thing is all shot and the people with computers that can chop things together are the ones that make the whole movie. (laughs) Well, living in LA and, uh, you know, this area, I've had the fortune of, of uh, knowing a lot of guys in the industry and and i've been on a few sets like you have um and, and you're right it's 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 amazing how you go from you know uh, so many you know individual you know events that occur and all that goes behind it i mean a single shot five minutes shot could take you know three days you know uh, setups and strike downs and all the work that it takes to go there and how do you go from that into this this amazing magical experience that uh, you know is, is co- cohesive and you know, and, and keeps you engaged. Um, but it's also fun. It's 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 a it's a great world. You know, yeah. you can, like they have said before, I've, I've heard this, you know, before, you know, the highs are always very high and the lows are very low. As long as you can keep maintain, you know, a, a steady tempo, I guess, uh, you're, you're going to be all right. This episode is sponsored by my friends at Xsense. Xsense is an innovative company providing home safety products, including cutting-edge smoke detectors, carbon monoxide alarms, and other smart home security systems designed to keep you and your loved ones safe 24-7 with easy-to-install devices and smart technology. You'll have peace of mind knowing that Xsense is always on guard. And if you live in Florida like I do, or any place where it's hot, because it is damn hot right now, uh, I recommend checking out the Wi-Fi hygrometer thermometer. You can place it in a room, greenhouse, musical instrument case, or, or anywhere, literally, to ensure that the temperature and humidity are at the right level and won't cause potential damage to your house or item. I got one myself, and I use it. Uh, as a special offer to our podcast listeners, Xsense is offering an exclusive 15% discount on your first purchase. Just visit xsense.com, that's X-S-E-N-S-E.com, and use promo code Jeff Macalino at checkout. Protect what matters most with Xsense. It struck me, I guess, uh, I'm, I'm, I was thinking of how many movies were made in, you know, in, in planes, and also trains and then i i've kind of been thinking well i guess from a from a hollywood perspective it's i don't know if it's cheaper but it's certainly got to be easier to only have hey we're it's just one location we don't have to travel all over the place and find it's it's all in a plane so we we've got we build our plane set or shoot it on a real plane i would i would imagine a set i couldn't couldn't imagine the uh the audio would work out well on a real plane <laughs> yeah no it's, it's it's all on sets and um uh, and you're right there's you know cost obviously has a lot to do with everything uh you know but then again top gun was a plane movie you know yeah. it wasn't on and you know, look at all the work that that took and all the money that that you know went into that one god you can go back you know into the original you know airplane yeah uh, <laughs> uh, and then some of those you know the, you know some of the movies in the 60s airport you know, and, and you know, there. So yeah, cost has a lot to do with it. But it's such a such a fast environment. It's such a uh, you know uh, quick you know place where events can take. I used to tell my wife, you know, I said, I've got one of the only jobs in the world that I know of. But every time I go to work in fifteen minutes, I can be on international news. You know, didn't make her feel any more comfortable. You know, because <laughs> but it is. A, uh, just a rapidly moving environment with, you know, lots that are going on, and uh, you know, it, it could be exciting, you know. And uh, uh, Gerard uh, Butler just did one not long ago, maybe a month or so ago. A, you know, an airplane is shot down, and you know, uh, and I think it's over the Philippines, and you know, I, I thought it was engaging. I thought it was, you know, very well done. 
but I haven't seen that one yet, but I'll, I'll, I'll check it out. I, I, now I'm, I'm in my head. I'm like, I need to watch some of these airplane movies for the first time or, or again, um, because I, you know, now it's on the top of my head. Yeah. Um, so when, when, uh, when I go to a, go to a plane bathroom, I I've only flown probably a half dozen times in my life. Um, but I don't need to be afraid when I open the door, there's going to be a dead body. Correct. Is that, is that a fair? No, no, there's, there's, uh, I mean, you know, even from a pilot's perspective, 99 point some percentage of you know every flight is just going to be routine. Uh, you know, but there are exceptions. And if you fly long enough, you know, you will run into some of those exceptions. You know, in my career in 44 years, there have been five, occasions where I really wished I was on the ground but then that's over 44 years you know so you know something is going to happen and I don't think you're going to see a dead body but I mean you know they're, uh, unfortunately flying is becoming you know um, I, I don't know what it is post-COVID world you know you're hearing all of the issues that are occurring inside the, you know in, mm -hmm. in the, with people and it's always with people um, you know and and I, I don't know what it is about the atmosphere or the environment, you know, that that's causing people to be more tempered, more polarized. Um, but it is, it's, it's a different environment. And then usually that sort of thing, you know, happens, but, you know, mechanically, again, aircraft are becoming so much better and so much safer. Um, you know, um, we do have, you know, some challenges right now because they're retiring so many pilots and air traffic controllers. You know, uh, when COVID hit, they, they you know, almost, they, they, you know, asked a lot of pilots to take early retirement. You know, and 15 minutes later, they're in a panic because they don't have enough pilots. Same thing, they're traffic controllers. They've got a lot of new people out there. You know, that, that was a bit of a concern for me. And hopefully that's something that I'm sure they're thinking about and trying to address. Um, you know, but again, overall, things are, you know, quite a bit safer than, than they have ever been. I mean, look at, you know, how long has it been since there was a fatal crash, you know, anywhere out here? Uh, and you used to hear that, you know, all the time, you know, multiple times a year. And you don't hear that anymore. And, uh, you know, and that's just, you know, and especially in, in the United States or really Western countries, you know, where you have, you know, the, the safety, you know, of the airlines is, you know, is, is adhered to, you know, pretty strongly. Which, by the way, I mean, anybody that, you know, if you want to fly in an airline and you're not familiar with it or sure about it, you can always just Google it and, and look up the safety records. And is it seven stars? And is it seven out of seven? Or is it five out of seven or whatever? You know, because there's a lot of airlines out there, newer ones, especially if you start to work, you know, go to, you know, some other places in the world. But you can see everybody's ratings and safety and all of that, you know, um, pretty regularly. So it's 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 a lot better, um, you know. But uh, that, and they're working on it every day to make it better. That's what's what's very impressive. Yeah, I, I've always been curious, um, and I, I've over the course of my life, I've always blamed it on a bunch of things as to why so many people are afraid of flying. Um, because I, you know, I'm I'm sure you've said it or heard it a, a gazillion times. It's a lot safer to fly than it is to drive your car. You know, you're you're much more likely to die in a car than in a plane. Well, let's let's just put some statistics to that because that might make your your audience or whoever's nervous feel a little bit better. You know, you're going to get in your car, go get a gallon of milk. You have about a one in four hundred chance, uh, you know, of, of something going wrong. You get in a plane and you're going to go somewhere. You have one in eleven million chance. Yeah. Um, so. These are some some stats that you can figure out, you know, uh, you know that that will help you. Why are people scared? A lack of control, I think, has a lot to do with mm -hmm. it. And the biggest factor in a lack of control really is, is turbulence. You know, you're sitting in the back of a plane. You know, the guy's seat back is right in your face, and you're bouncing all over the place. This little tin metal thing, you know, up in the air. You're you're sure this thing is going to crash and burn. You know. So here's another little factoid that might help those you know, your, your audience or yourself. In the history of aviation, no airline-type aircraft has ever crashed due to turbulence. Not once. Hmm. You know, 
So if that is the biggest factor, and it is, turbulence is absolutely the biggest factor of, of fear of crashing and dying. Um, but if you think about it, that not once has this ever happened. In fact, during the certification process, these aircraft go through the kinds of stresses that is far beyond, you know, what, what the human beings inside that aircraft can take. You know, and, and they go through these stresses, you know, sideways and forward and backwards. And, you know, and, and, and if they don't, um, you know, qualify, if something goes wrong, then they don't get certified. You know, so it has to be done, you know, in a certain way. And when you put those two facts together, the fact that, you know, it, it truly is so much safer. You don't think about going out and getting a gallon of milk in your car. You just do. You know, uh, what is that, 2,000 times more, you know, likely that you have a problem, you know, than if you were in an airplane. So, the, the, you know, and the fact that just nothing has ever crashed. If your people remember that, you know, um, and then add to that, you know, uh, where is the best, best, safest place? Or not safest, but rather, uh, you know, where, where turbulence affects you the least. You know, and that's generally over the wings. You know, you want to be as close to the center of gravity of an aircraft as possible. And that's over the wings. And a, a nice little visual tool for that would be, you know, imagine holding up like a little a ruler, you know, uh, a straight edge, you know, and hold it right in the middle of it, you know, and just bounce it up and down. You know, you can see that the two ends of it go up and down a lot more than where you're bouncing. That's essentially the same in an aircraft. The longer the aircraft, the further the two ends bounce, mm. you know, and they're designed that way to, to bounce that way. You know, and so you want to be as close to the center of gravity, as close to the top of the wings as possible. Doesn't mean that you don't feel it. You still absolutely feel it, but you'll feel it a little bit less. This is for anyone who's too afraid. But if you keep the other stuff that I said in mind, you know, uh, maybe it won't be as bad. And if none of that works, then grab one of those drinks that's to your right hand and um, <laughs> <laughs> and see where it goes. This helps. You know, the, the one... Uh... Um, I, I went to uh, I went to Costa Rica on a bachelor party, and uh, there were about well, that's your first mistake. Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> there were there were eighteen of us on the plane, and this is when they were requiring masks on the plane, and um, we were all sitting together. And uh, now the 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 odd part to this. So first of all, the one of the guys on the flight crew said, I'm watching you guys. And it's like, all right, well, no, flight attendant, uh, you said that. And I'm like, all right, well, this guy's a dick. Why would you say that to start with? Watching us for our masks. Um, but then they come around, take my drink order. I'll, I said, I'll take seven drinks. They, they come bring them out, you know, in the little bottles. And I'm allowed to just take my mask off. But my friend who's not drinking has to keep his on. And I'm like, I don't, this doesn't make sense. So if he pulled his mask down, cause I couldn't hear what he was saying, the flight attendant would yell at him, but I'm sitting here for two hours, just no mask, just drinking. And I'm like, something seems so. So I wonder if that contributed at all to the, the anger and hostility on planes. It's like, all right, well, if there's some poisonous virus going around and I'm allowed to just take my mask off, but he's not, cause he's not getting drunk. Hey, it doesn't the, the science doesn't seem to work in my head. Well, yeah, yeah it's, try and put yourself in that flight attendant's position. You know, you had one leg, you're going down there, it's about four hours long, and they probably are going to mm -hmm. go there and end and come back. Then she or he or whatever it was that next day has to do something again and again and again. You know, they were put in a position that's pretty unique. Yeah. Uh, they, they become enforcers. You know, they're supposed to do what they're supposed to do. But they're not trained for that. They're not. That's not the job description, you know. And and especially as 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 polarized as we were during COVID, as we are now, you know, there were cases where, you know, I mean, it, it created, you know, it created fights, it created brawls, you know. Forget about cussing and, you know, all of that stuff. It became, you know, physically threatening. And I mean, these guys are there. Flight attendants are there, you know, for safety. You know, if something does go wrong, you know, on, on a plane, you know, 75% of the training is, is is based on what to do, you know, in an evacuation. Mm. If there's a fire, if there's something that goes wrong, you know, what you need to do in the back there. Because, you know, God knows we are not able to. We have, you know, our, our work cut out for us. 
then they took all of that and they added this whole COVID thing to it. Your yeah. job is to make sure everybody wears a mask. Now, what if somebody doesn't? What if somebody says, screw you? What if somebody, you know, just, just says, or you know, all these, all these other things that can come out of it, you know, and, and they're in a, put in a position where, you know, they had no choice. And yeah. so if the person told you, you know, I'm watching you, you know, it's one of two chances, either they're, they're an idiot, you know, and there's a small chance because not, you know, there's always a few of those everywhere. Yeah. Or by far the biggest chance is that they're just trying to prevent something from occurring, you know, and they don't know you, they don't know your background. They don't know you're a calm guy and you're going to have a drink and you're going to be just fine. They're used to somebody else who's going to be there and have two or three or four drinks. And at that point, I mean, they just had people that urinated on people. They're having people urinate on people, defecate in the aisle, you know, because they're drunk. How do you deal with that? How do you get trained to do anything with that? I mean, you know, and 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 these guys whose job it is to just keep you safe in the event. Now they, they serve you, which is, you know, part of the job as well. But now they have to worry about, you know, becoming the sheriff here and, you know, threatening you or whatever. You know, and that's just not a part of the job description. So COVID was very difficult on, on airline people. And, you know, yeah. and, and we lost a bunch. You know, people that didn't have the option of not working. They had to continue to work. Now, we know a lot more about it today. You know, a lot better ways to avoid it. But who knew in the first months that this happened? You know, airplanes didn't stop flying. This wasn't like 9-11 where for, you know, several days airplanes stopped flying. You, you still flew. And you didn't know what the outcome was. You didn't know how bad this thing was, you know, in the first months, first year, this thing came out. But they still went out and did their job. So that's a lot of added stress Oh yeah, to somebody who was doing that. And, uh, you know, I'll just say that, you know, try and look at their point of view just for a half of a second. Oh, know, yeah. And it, might, and it might be more calming than, than being angry or why did they did this or why they did that. Well, I, in fairness, I do think that one person was just, didn't like us i think he was just a, a jerk um this because because everyone else was was perfectly nice on that flight um one of the, actually on the way back one of them said i'm not going to say anything unless someone else complains that you don't have a mask on because they had announced this was i believe they took the mask mandate off like april 1st of whatever year 2022 i think it was and this flight was like march 27th and i'm like well if you're already announcing you don't need is COVID disappeared? It, it, it's like it, uh, it's four days. Like <laughs> I know. Listen, from your vantage point, you you're absolutely right. Oh, but again, you have to understand from it's a tough spot. Place. Yeah, it's, it's a tough place. Like them, you know, some of them might say, "Okay, the, the rule is April one. Okay, so what are you going to do the next four days? Uh, yeah, you know, you put it on or not put it on. You know, and then my job is this and that. But of course, again, like I said, any work group. You know, you, you, you gather, you know, 10 people, the chances are one of them has got a chip on their shoulder. That, that yeah. happens yeah. in the cockpit, in the flight. This happens, you know, in your office. Um, yeah. But having said that, it just, the, the amount of added stress that they had during the COVID, you know, uh, especially in, in people that, that worked in transportation, uh, it, it was a difficult period. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, I, I felt I felt bad. I There was a, a very nice lady on the way back and she's like, I don't care. She's like, I, I but she's like, but if someone else complains that you're not wearing a mask. I'm going to have to come in because it is still the rule. And if someone's complaining, right. I can't tell them, you know, yeah, <laughs> so yeah, so, listen, that you, worked for her, you know, yeah, that that approach worked for her after a year and a half of arm wrestling with people and. <laughs> oh, yeah. listen that, that's what whatever works yeah yeah she she probably since she was although i i don't know how how much that matters but i i i did hear and and some people say the people on the flight crews on the west coast had to be a lot more stringent with the rules than flight crews that were kind of mostly out of florida because we handled things very differently <laughs> our, well, our population again, yeah, you know, a lot differently than yeah, Jeff, that's the part of the whole polarization. You know, somebody yeah. believes in it and somebody doesn't. Somebody's afraid of it, somebody's not. Somebody's got, you know, I mean, there's a lot of older flight attendants out there, people older than 65, 70, 75 even. 
you know, that are working, you know, or somebody who's got, you know, asthma or some other condition, they might be more susceptible uh, or just more afraid. Sure. You, yeah. know, and then, you know, and then, then somebody else that just doesn't see it or maybe they got it. It wasn't a big deal. Oh, it wasn't a big deal to me. Uh, one of the studies I read on it is that, you know, your blood type has a lot to do with it, mm -hmm. you know, and, and, you know, I have friends, you know, I, I got it myself and it was nothing. It was just a cold lasted a couple of days and moved on. And I know, uh, you know, I've got a close friend here that uh, got it for three months mm -hmm. and uh, three months in bed, could not get out 102 degree temperature. Hospitals don't want to see it. Doctors don't want to see it. They just tell you this is the routine. You know, you only come in here when oxygen level drops below such and such. And, and hers was borderline and she just, you know, stayed with it. You know, and I know three people who died off of it. Um, yeah. You know, so it's how do you, you know, how do you know? How do you it's, know who it likes, you know? Yeah, it, it's such a weird, uh, it, it did a weird thing to society because I even, I felt, I, I forget the circumstance, but there was somebody in a social setting um not that long ago and again in florida and they they were wearing a mask and they were apologizing like oh so here's why i'm wearing a mask i, I don't want anyone and i'm like look i now you know i'm not a, a a big mask person but that being said i don't think you need to explain yourself if you want like it's like it's something could because and, and it went the other way too where someone's like why aren't you wearing a mask and part of that i think is because they you know kind of maybe miss miss uh lied about masks who they're supposed to protect but it's like you know just do you protect yourself how you feel need need to be to protect you and your family you don't need to apologize if you want to wear 70 masks or a gas mask or no mask just you know don't come spit in my face <laughs> no don't yeah. don't do that regardless of your health concerns please <laughs> yeah listen you no no you're right it's just it's it's the it's the extremes on, on two sides yeah and that's what we unfortunately always hear about you know just just live and let live you know like you said you want to wear a mask wear a mask you don't want to wear a mask don't wear a mask you know as yeah. long as you know, you keep certain things in mind. Um, yeah, know, just be I, decent. Just be decent to other people, and don't <laughs> don't badger them because they're doing something that doesn't affect you. <laughs> you know. Yeah, that's. I'm, I would drink to that if it was about five hours later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's really <laughs> you would have a problem if you were drinking. Although, again, <laughs> if yeah, if you weren't retired, maybe this would be your your five o'clock. <laughs> and not, um, not when you retired every day. <laughs> uh, I, I want to ask you a couple ridiculous questions before I let you go, um, because I love. I don't want to say I love conspiracy theories because I feel like conspiracy theories get a bad rap, meaning. But like the word itself now is like derogatory. I'm like, well, no, it's just you you have a theory about a conspiracy. I don't think that's a bad thing. So but this one's ridiculous, I think. But I had a a very uh, highly acclaimed in the flat earth community person on my show probably two years ago, and he swore up and down that airline pilots could tell you that the earth was flat. But the caveat to that was if they admitted it, they got killed by whoever is protecting the flat <laughs> Um, because he said they, the routes. So, and, and logically I'm like, well, if anyone could tell if the earth was flat or not, it would have to be that astronauts and airline pilots could conclusively tell, I, you know, I would, from what I know, whether the earth is flat or not. So I have to, I, I've only had a couple uh, of other people who were pilots on and I asked them the same question. But, uh, well, uh, that, that, that's, yeah, that's a good question. It's an interesting question. I've never had that one come up before. I bet. <laughs> um, I can tell you with relative certainty that, uh, that the earth is not flat. And, um, and and you can see that yourself, uh, especially as you go up higher, even as a passenger, you don't have to get yeah. an airline pilot. Uh, you, uh, so aircraft usually fly in the mid 30s, 30, 33, 35, 37,000 feet. Uh, but if they're light enough, they can go up to 40 or 41 or 43 even. 
And uh, if you're up there, you can actually see the curvature of the Earth. You don't have to see it from a cockpit. You can see it from your window. And especially as it starts to get darker uh, and you can mm. you can see that. Um, you know, I'm, I would be, you know, questioning the, the, the gentleman or the individual who is who is uh, bringing that up, you know, because uh, they <laughs> probably believe in a lot of other things. That oh, yeah, he does. <laughs> make it sound as nice as I can. Do it. <laughs> you know, I'm just, uh, you know. Um, but but definitely I can say that with certainty. I can't say too many things with certainty, but that one I'll go. Uh, I, Earth is not flat. Yeah, I, I think you're qualified to that 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 was always my thing. It's like, well, I'm 99.99 to infinity percent sure it's not flat, but I guess I I can't say that I've seen that it's not flat conclusively. Um, but you have, if you've been on an airplane. I, 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 I guess I need to look out the window next. <laughs> just look out the window. And if you, even if you're lower and just imagine just a complete horizon, horizontal line, and you can see the edges just dipping just a hair. Mm -hmm. You know, and the higher you go, the more, more clearly you can see that. And uh, a flat line wouldn't do that. No, no. Yeah, see, I'm a, I'm an aisle seat guy. I think that's probably what, I like, I'm 6'2". I like the extra, like, you know, when the cart's not going down the aisle, I, I, I basically have extra leg room using the aisle. So no one's ever complained. <laughs> well, listen, easier way to do it. Just, uh, you know, uh, get on YouTube and watch a Concorde fly. They go to 60,000 feet. Uh, Concords, of course, they're no longer around, but uh, you can see YouTube videos. And, uh, you know, unless you don't believe in the YouTube video. Well, they... Yeah, I'm sure. I'm, I'm. I'm sure he would say that you were bought off by again whoever's per. <laughs> yeah, Who is yeah. protect? What is there? What are they protecting? That's why I. Like, I don't understand the. Anyway, so that yeah. was the most ridiculous question I can ask you. Uh, I appreciate that. <laughs> uh, another weird. This one maybe is not ridiculous, and maybe you could. Um, you might have a general hypothesis on this i know there have been some planes and famously there was one and i don't remember if it was five years ago or 15 years ago or or somewhere in between a plane that just disappeared somewhere in the pacific i believe somewhere near asia uh, um, mh370 malaysian uh yes malaysian yeah um did, did they ever find that plane or not. They never found the plane, but they found the uh, parts and pieces of it. So that puts the rest the possibility that that you know it went out someplace and landed, or it's going to go and attack a country and all that other nonsense. Um, uh, listen, it's 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 one of the greatest mysteries of aviation that has been there. And yes, of course, I know about it. All pilots know about it. It was a triple seven aircraft that I flew, mm. and um, and and all I know is really just what I've read and and watched on it. And nobody seems to know if they know more than that. Nobody seems to be talking. So the aircraft, uh, you know, uh, uh, left, you know, on course, on heading, you know, and then a, a variety of equipment failed almost simultaneously, you know, and uh, the communication equipment. And uh, that's difficult to do in a triple seven. You know, some of it, you know, you really have to, you know, it's just not a switch that you turn off. you got to look for it. you got to search it. You got to dig two or three levels deep, you know, and then you got to, you know, turn things off. You can do it, but it would take a purposeful effort to do that. That I do. Mm. And, you know, what happened, of course, it's just going to be, you know, it's just going to be just, just what you can think of. Uh, you know, obviously they're, they're pointing to the captain because in his flight simulator at home, they found a route that was similar to what, what occurred and where the aircraft was lost. You know, and, and unfortunately, as we have seen, you know, uh, several times now, uh, pilot suicide is not unknown or mm -hmm. something that has just never has happened before. You've had multiple occasions, you know, whether it was the German uh, wings or German, East, German wings, I think it was a uh, plane where the first officer locked the captain out and just, you know, slowly took the plane into the mountains or I, it, there were several other ones. I don't want to, you know, put the wrong ones. I think Egypt, there may have been one, some other ones. Um, but yeah, so pilot suicide, you know, has, has been known to happen. And, uh, my information, everything that I have seen and read, uh, you know, and watched on it points in that direction, uh, which would be just a horrible, beyond horrible thing, but, um, uh, but it does happen. 
you know. Mm. Well, that's uh, yeah. See that that one was more of a, a was a was a little better question than the flat Earth question, but maybe a little more serious. Oh, <laughs> uh, uh, no. well, happy to try to answer them all. Um, yeah well it, it it took almost an hour to for me to bring up flat earth so that that uh you know hey, that's you something. did good <laughs> yeah. you're towards the end of your drink so <laughs> oh good. yeah yeah this is this is just one last sip um well while i take that sip uh cam where can uh people find you find highwire you know where do you want the listeners to go um so the book is available uh, everywhere uh, you know, uh, Barnes and Noble, Amazon, of course, you know, uh, all of the portals that are available, um, where to go. Just my website is a, is a great place. If anybody's interested and want to see updates, that's, that's updated, uh, media, different things, new books come up and that's just my first name and last name.com just K A M M A J D.com. And, um, yeah, there's the next one, silent voices coming up shortly. And uh, we'll make sure that I update, uh, you know, the website. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, well, I and I'll link everything, of course, in the show notes below, listener. Uh, Cam, thank you so much for uh, educating me and, and uh, talking to me. And uh, I, I look forward to uh, to seeing Highwire on the big screen, uh, hopefully in the, the somewhat near future. And <laughs> Thank you. I, I did too. We'll see what happens. But like I said, the highs are always high and the lows are low. And I'm just going to try and stay even tempered, see what happens. Um, in the meantime, yeah, thank you for having me. Thank you to your listeners for listening. And uh, I always see if anybody has more questions. Awesome. Thank you, Cam. Thank you. Dude. Appreciate it. That's it. That's all. Hope you had a ball. Thank you, Cam Maj, for joining me. Check out his work. Uh, his website, his socials, all linked in the show notes, of course. Uh, thank you again for tuning in. Uh, I hope you guys are subscribed over at the YouTube channel. Have some fun stuff for you, uh, especially the Dads and Drinks show, co-hosted by myself and Jeremiah Hensley. Uh, we just put out round two of our Ultimate Animal Showdown, and we need your votes. I insist a grizzly bear would defeat a gorilla in a fight because I've done the bare minimum of research and know for a fact that a, the strongest bear is way stronger than the strongest gorilla. It's just a fact. Jeremiah, you know, insists otherwise because, you know, I don't know. He's a ginger. He doesn't have a soul. Maybe. I don't know. So vote, go on my YouTube, comment on the round two video and let Jeremiah know he loses and the bear wins. <laughs> well, we would both lose to a bear in a fight or a gorilla, but let him know a gorilla would lose to a bear in the fight. Let him know, uh, that so that the bear moves on to probably lose in round three uh but i hope you enjoy that again it's a lot of animal videos being played while we talk about who would win in these hypothetical fights and it's a lot of fun uh also i put up a boozy five course meal where i tried like three different types of moonshine as well as bourbon chicken that was, I think, the second to last night I've drank. I have not had a, a sip of alcohol in nine days uh, as recording this. And uh, honestly, it's going to go at least another six days because this is not a requirement by any means. I want to make this clear. I'm, I'm kind of, I don't want to say crash dieting, but I am crash dieting, uh, but in a very healthy way, I think, as healthy as possible. Uh, because I want to lose a few pounds before we start shooting this movie. And then I, I want to just be at a much, I'd like to be at more of a middle ground uh, in weight. I don't need to be skinny. I don't want to be fat. I, I'd like to be like that in between where if I need to bulk up, I can. If I need to slim down, I can. Uh, you know, right now there's really only, well, I guess there is two directions I could go. I could go the super fat Chris Farley, John Candy route. Or... I could slim down a little bit so I can, you know, maybe open myself for other roles. Uh, anywho. So that's where I am. That's why I've stopped alcohol, by the way, just to be clear. This isn't a sobriety kick. I'm, I'm not, I've not been sober. There's been weed. There's been some shrooms. <laughs> sobriety. No, no, no. But no alcohol. Yes. Because again, just trying to lose weight, a lot of empty calories there. So 
getting things in order physically. Um, I'll keep you updated on that. I've lost, I've lost over 10 pounds already, but, uh, my buddy tells me most of that is probably just information. I, I don't really know what that means, but it sounds legit because the 10 pounds dropped off like real quick. Uh, all right. Uh, again, subscribe to the YouTube vote for this podcast is best in the Bay. Cause where else in Tampa Bay do you get a podcast? that's this excellent. I would argue nowhere. Um, and that's not to slight the other podcasts on the ballot. Uh, frankly, I need to start researching those podcasts and maybe maybe make some friends because I don't know a lot of local podcasters, to be quite honest, and they probably don't know me. Although I will say I'm fairly certain I have by far the most ratings on Apple. Just saying. Uh, anywho, follow me on all the socials. Uh, like, uh, oh yeah, if you're listening to this on Apple or Spotify, you can rate this podcast five stars and I'd greatly appreciate it on Apple. I'd appreciate it even more if you write a review. Uh, so thank you in advance for doing that. Uh, and, uh, boom, it's over. for listening it was amazing <laughs> i i loved it be sure to come back for another great episode i'm one wing away from jeff macalino of the jeff macalino podcast how much time did you spend on thinking of the name of your podcast you went just straight that's my name i'll add the word podcast to it yep see you next week